I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're back. This is the Nature Jobs podcast and I'm Julie Gould. We get a lot of questions from early career researchers on how to make a transition from a career path in academia to something else, whether it be research related or something completely different. But something worth remembering is that it is also possible to go the other way. It's not just a one way route or a one way career path. Any path can be trodden forwards, backwards. So, in this podcast, we're going to share a real story about a lady who started her PhD a year ago after a decade of working in the pharmaceutical industry and having five children. You know, having my husband being at home saying, okay, I'm on the last, like, <laughs> milk that you have in the freezer. And I'm like, I'm coming, like, I'm on the plane, it was delayed. We will also hear from a career counsellor about how to choose your career path. The only way to make a really clear and well-informed decision is to gain experience beyond uh, the ivory tower during your academic studies. So... I recently met a lady called Paula Littlejohn. She started her PhD in January 2017. She has had five children. One is now in their early 20s, the other four are 10 and under. Before embarking on her career in academia, Paula worked as a clinical research associate in the pharmaceutical industry for a decade, managing sites on study protocols. So I spoke to Paula to find out a little bit more about how she's adapted to an academic career. And as a pro, I asked her for some advice on how to manage a PhD and having a family. You've worked within science throughout all your pregnancies and as your kids have grown yes. up. Yes. What's that been like? Um, it's not been easy, for sure. It's been definitely challenging. Um at times, but also it's been, you know, working, I had my, two of my kids were born in the U.S., um, and so the maternity leave there is very different. So it's just six weeks, and then you're back on the road. Um, so that was pretty tough. And, you know, just trying to nurse my kids at the same time, because I really believe in that strongly. Um, so that was challenging as well. 
um, you know, having my husband being at home saying, okay, I'm on the last, like, <laughs> milk that you have in the freezer. And I'm like, I'm coming. Like, I'm on the plane. It was delayed. You know, so those challenges, um, being able to, uh, you know, find good daycare, attend meetings, um, conferences and conference calls and just reading the literature and, and just staying, staying on top of everything. So it's been a real challenge and it's been a, a just balancing everything and you know thank god i have a really 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 supportive husband that has helped me through this because without him i don't think it would have worked what have you noticed so far some of the differences in terms of support that you receive for for child care and, and having children and, and working flexibility in industry compared to in academia in academia it's um i find there's definitely differences. One, you know, because now I'm on a student salary. <laughs> so that's been, you know, it took a major hit. So having that flexible income to pay for childcare wasn't there anymore. And so the first part of the school year, I actually, my entire stipend, student stipend was going towards our nanny. And then my husband was going towards the mortgage and, and all the other things. But I do find that my school is really supportive. So I can, I'm able to go in earlier into the lab and and leave earlier so I can meet my kids when they get home from school. So, and when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, my office was at home because we traveled so much. When I wasn't on the road, I was here when they came home from school. And for the first time, I was actually not going to be here five days a week. And I cried. I cried on the bus going to school. I cried when I came home and my husband was like, what's wrong? And I was like, you don't understand. For the last 10 years, I've actually, my office has been here. It was just, it was very, very difficult for me to start that part. You know, you know, feeling like, am I being a good mom? Am I being there enough for my kids? You know, and just not being around the way that I used to be. And if they say, mom, I miss you, then it's like, you know, floodgates are open and I feel guilty um, for not being there. And I'm not one of those moms who feel like, oh, I need time to myself when I come home and I need to get on Facebook and do all this stuff. You know, for me, when we come home, it's we're interacting with our kids. You know, we feel like that's important. Like their life is important. And one of the things that my husband and I strongly believe in is that, their life shouldn't be negatively impacted because we're trying to live our lives. And have you ever, I don't know if the the word sacrifice is the right word, but have you ever had to sacrifice something out of your own life and your own activities yeah. in order for them yep. not to be negatively impacted? Yep, I had a talk. Um, I had set up for, oh my gosh, probably six or seven months before and everything was planned out. And then I ended up not having childcare that day, and I had to cancel. And it was hard. It was really difficult, and they were very disappointed. And I felt horrible because I had planned it out. I had my slides ready, and it was a you know really good opportunity. And you know it it was it was horrible. And I've had a couple of times like that. I've, we just didn't have childcare, and my company asked if I could go, and I was like, I can't. So definitely a lot a lot of personal sacrifices and things that I would wanted to do that I think would have advanced my career or opened more doors for me that I've had to turn down because um, I needed to be here with my kids and the same with my husband. So let's um, say you've got someone who's going into a PhD, but either they have some young children like yourself or they are thinking about having children. Um, what advice would you give them about managing 
PhD in science with family? Um, well, the first thing I would you know say it's definitely a conversation they need to um, have with their um, spouse or partner um, that they need to really that needs to be clear, like the, what they're taking on, like, cause it's a huge commitment. And that was a discussion my husband and I had from the beginning, from the financial part to the time commitment. Like I might be in the lab really late. I may have to go in on the weekends. Like all those things need to be laid out first and foremost. The other part is, you know, where they live, you know, what's the maternity um, time frame? Um, what's their ch- check out the childcare? What support is there at the university versus what may be close to home um, if they are planning to have kids, if they already, if they have young kids, um, how is it going to impact, you know, the, the kids, you know, with different ages? I think I'll be able, I would just have them plan out, you know, just map out the entire thing from finances to schedule to child care to food, how are you going to do that, and to organise in the home and organise in school as well. And the guilty feelings that, that are constantly yes. there, how do you cope and how would you advise others to cope and think about them? Yeah, for me, is having friends that I can talk to. You definitely need, you know, someone there in your corner that you can share all your feelings with and go through those emotions. It's it's healthier to go through the emotions than to kind of shove them away and pretend that they don't exist because it's just going to build up and, and you don't want resentment to, to build up or, or feeling angry. And, and you're definitely going to feel different when you're in your school environment because there are things that your lab mates and, you know, your colleagues you were able to do that you just can't do, you know, go on ski trips or <laughs> stay after and, and go out to dinner and just realize that, you know, it just is not the season. It doesn't mean that it's, it will never be, you'll never get there. It's just you have to accept each season where it, where it is and say, for right now, that's not something I can participate in. It doesn't mean that it's the next five years of my PhD, I'll never be able to do that. Thank you very much to Paula Littlejohn for sharing her heartfelt and encouraging story. In the spirit of Valentine's Day and the subject of career transitions, I thought it'd be rather nice to highlight some of the similarities between career transitions and a relationship. So here's Lorna McKechn, career counsellor at McGill University in Canada, to enlighten us. One of the things I often say to our students is that you need to date before you get married. What do I mean by that? I mean that... So far, for many of the people who have been pursuing research in in an academic context, um, they have only dated academia. They have only been uh, in a relationship with academia. The reality is this is not necessarily a monogamous relationship. Um, And in fact, you need to get out there and meet other options in order to really be sure about whether or not this is in fact the right fit for you. Um, oftentimes it's only through experience that we know what we like and what we don't like. It's very difficult to predict in advance what we like and what we don't like. And if you think about your own sort of relationship growth, um, no doubt you have learned a lot from some of your more difficult relationships. So it is worth getting out there and trying different options before you um, commit to any option. The other thing that I often say to students is um, that when they're making the transition from academia to, let's say, another option, 
um, not to underestimate how difficult that transition might be. Even when it's a mutual breakup, um, it can feel really painful. A divorce, it can feel like a divorce. Um, and so even if this is what you absolutely want, it's natural to have some kind of a mourning period during which you let go of uh, an imagined future that you had. So prepare in a way for that. Um, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with your decision if you experience that. Um, but the only way to make a really clear and well-informed decision is to gain experience beyond uh, the ivory tower during your academic studies or during your academic career. Thank you, Lorna McKechn. Now, on to our Ask the Expert question of the month. We've got someone from Canada, a PhD researching mama of one, about how she can move into science communication. Hi, my name is Surian Rad. Uh, I'm a second-year PhD researcher in molecular biology at the University of Montreal. Uh, I'm very interested in working in science communication alongside my research. I love to talk to people about the work that I do, but uh, so I think that public speaking would be a big part of it. Uh, but I'm not sure where or how to start. Uh, there are so many different options. So uh, can you give me some advice? Thank you. To answer this question, we've got Bonnie Schmidt. She's the director and founder of Let's Talk Science, an award-winning charitable organisation in Canada that helps encourage young children to study science, technology, engineering and maths-based subjects. Bonnie, over to you. I think that's a great question. For me, an important first step is to develop your communication skills. Tell your story with the audience in mind. How is your work relevant to their lives and why should they care? How can you tell your story in a way that provokes questions? After all, their engagement is the best indicator of your success. Next, think about the audience and the setting that appeals to you. Do you want to lead hands-on activities with students in schools or work with teachers? Maybe you prefer giving public lectures to adult audiences or engaging families in community settings. Do you prefer for using social media to showcase the science in current events? Then I encourage you to search out organizations that exist in your region. They can help with training and logistics so you can focus on the communication activities. During my own career, interest in science outreach has skyrocketed, and Let's Talk Science now works with 46 post-secondary sites and thousands of volunteers across Canada every year. We've also seen incredible growth in the sector around the world. So think about these steps and jump in. You'll find that people are genuinely interested in science, and their enthusiasm will further motivate your own scientific work, causing a wonderful, fulfilling cycle to kick in. Thank you very much to Celine Rad and Bonnie Schmidt for this month's Q&A. And as always, if you've got a science career-related question for us, send it in. We love to hear from you. You can email us at naturejobseditor at nature.com and we will do our utmost to find someone to answer it for you. In the meantime, we're going to whet your appetite for next month's Food Crazy podcast, where two previous science researchers have left their academic careers behind to follow their gut. It was so clear that it wasn't for me. Uh, you know, my mom is still doing it and she loves it and she talks with passion in her eyes about what she does, the same way that I guess I talk about bread. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.